Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. I love Caesar. We used to get together for lunch and breakfast a lot, and I miss him. We haven't seen each other as much in the last uh, couple of years. And uh, so when he called and asked me to sub for him, I felt really good. I, I often, every six weeks or so, I'm subbing somewhere around the peninsula. And uh, three years ago was the last time I got to be here. I preached on, what was the sequel to, was it Finding Dory? What was the second Dory movie? Finding Dory, that was, it was a series on movies that he was preaching through, and he invited me to do one. It felt good. Uh, I'm not going to do a movie today that you've seen in the theater, but uh, we're going to have a movie along the way. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to the first slide, Jacob. Hey, it does work. Get on the gospel train. And uh, how many of you think you know what the word gospel means? Gospel. It's often what we hear about in church. We preach the gospel. Do you, I mean, you weren't. Right, there's one guy who's willing to say, "I think I know what it means." And if you're not sure, anybody else who do you think maybe you know what it means? Let's start with that, because uh, we're talking about the gospel, and the gospel means what Jesus has done for us. Has done. It's finished. It's assured, and that's going to be a theme throughout this sermon. Uh, I did an old-time train. That's, uh, that's the best I could do. That's what trains looked like when I was a little kid. You know, We'd have long trains and then a red caboose on the back. Looking at trains nowadays, we don't have those, but they're still my favorite. And um, I was also motivated by a movie we're going to see in about two minutes about the Canadian Railway, Okay. So let me tell you why the gospel is important to start. How many of you uh, have heard of a marathon? Right? We have people who run a marathon or walk a marathon or tell us that they ran a marathon or I'm training for a marathon. Uh, I'm not. Uh, what, what is that about? Well, 500 years before Jesus existed on this earth, there was a big battle the Persians, who were over here on your east, had just filled up that empire. Persia is Iran today. They had gotten strong, had filled that up, and they said, let's go over there and see what we can get. So they sailed across. They had a bunch of boats. They had their soldiers in the boats, and they landed on a beach, which was near a flat place that was called Marathon. Okay, The Battle of Marathon, 490 B.C., just think about 500 years before Christ. And the Greeks somehow are able to find out from somebody that the Persians are coming. We read about the Persians in the Bible, right? Medo-Persians of the book of Daniel. And Daniel is alive when the Persians take over and they're, they're really strong. But uh, the Greeks are getting strong, stronger too. And the proof of it is that when the Persians came and landed on the beach, uh, the Greeks surrounded them, and then after five days, they had them where they wanted them. 
The only place the Persians could go is back on their boats. It's either fight or get back on your boat. And so the little guy is, is saying, we're going we're gonna to whoop the world champs. We're going to beat these guys. Now, back then, they couldn't, um, they couldn't have special cameras so the generals can see what's going on. They couldn't uh, talk in their phones and say, uh, hey, they're doing this. What should we do? And the, the generals couldn't move them around. So the leaders of the country who were back in Athens just happened to be 26 miles away. 26 miles from Marathon to Athens, okay? They had to rely on runners. And just like they had warriors, they had runners in the field. And the runners would, would run from general to general or from the, from the leaders of the country to the generals. And they would give instructions, and then they'd give feedback, and then they would tell what was going on. And, and then in the case we know about, the guy ran 26 miles. Pheidippides is his name. But I won't, on the, I won't be on the quiz, okay? <laughs> Pheidippides um, ran from the battlefield at Marathon all the way to Athens. And he, he had been running for several days, giving instructions. Over 100 miles, if you read up on it. So he was tired. But in this last one, he had the good news of victory. And he ran in and he fell down, but not before he gave the good news. And the good news was the battle is won. And we memorialize that by running marathons, but we've also memorialized that because as the Greeks grew into a great country and as the Greek language uh, spread over their whole empire when they were running things, and even in the Roman Empire... The Greek language was number one. This word gospel was known by everybody. This wasn't a religious word that somebody coined. Everybody knew that the gospel was the good news of victory. Now, that's not the word Pheidippides used 500 years before. It takes time for language to, to morph into something. But by then, the word gospel meant we won, or specifically Jesus won. And it was, it was a point in time with a, a, an ongoing result. It's over. The battle's won for you. The Christian faith starts, and our leaping off place today will start by helping us remember that the Christian faith is based on the doing and dying of Jesus and the accomplished work that he's already done. In one place, Paul says, let me remind you of first importance. Jesus died, was buried, and was raised on the third day. He says, that's first importance. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the finished war. Satan thought he won on Friday, and then he came up, and he'd lost by Sunday. That's why we're here. That's right. And, and we put so many things in the place of that truth. Paul says, first importance. So the gospel is the good news that Jesus has won, and this is just extra. So I guess I should have waited to have you, you know, turn in the offering. This is, we're not going to charge for this now. Um, angels are the same root word as gospel. Gospel is angel. It's A-G-G-E-L in Greek letters, but it's pronounced angel when there are two Gs. Angel, the word angel. 
the message of victory is the angelos. And the word to tell the great story, to tell the story of Jesus, the gospel, is the same word we use for evangelism. It's telling the message to try to help others to accept Christ. Is that new? Did you know, already know that? No? Well, you probably knew it but forgot it. Okay? So that's, that's kind of where I want to start out to remind us all that the gospel is about Jesus. And it's good news for me because it's not involved with my imperfection or as the, the video pointed out beforehand about all the things I wish I were and had. And it's, it's finished. It's done. Okay, let's take a, look, take a look at the movie. We'll let it run a little bit. It's an old time train. Let's boost the sound a little. What I want you to see in, in this train, this is one that climbs the mountain. Feel the power. Feel the power. A little more sound. Departing from Vancouver, what lies ahead is one of the longest, toughest railways on Earth. An extraordinary 3,000-mile journey for a locomotive that first turned a wheel over 80 years ago. Don't you love the power? It's going slow. Pick it up. Why Jesus is like that train? I love that. I mean, this, you see the power. You see that it's it's old time power. It's it's real logs <laughs> that they throw in there. And they burn it, and it becomes this this power just increasing and increasing, and 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 to see the power and see the steam and hear the the whistle, it just it's it's beyond my con, my control and beyond what I even understand. How does that set of logs make that train go like that steam train? I want you to have that kind of in the back of your head as you think about what Jesus has done. We're going to run through that a little bit, okay? We're going to look at this gospel train and think about another old-time uh, thing. Have you ever heard about the Apostles' Creed? Maybe you've attended another church for a while, and you've repeated that every week? Yes. Okay, and you, maybe you wondered what that was all about. Where did they get this from? Well, the Apostle Creed, Apostles' Creed is really old. The Apostles didn't even write it. It's not that old. But maybe a couple centuries later, they gathered all together and had leaders from all over, and they said, what 
what is our message? What, what, what is the gospel? And, and, and I'm amazed, and I want to take you a little quick trip through the Apostles' Creed to, to, to see that as we go back in time, Jesus was everything. And I'll stop from time to time and maybe just explain a word. Go ahead, uh, hit the next slide. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. People ask, where did it all start? Apostles' Creed says, here's what believers believe. Next line about Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's Luke 1, 35, isn't it? And born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. There's the Christmas story or Easter story starting. Was crucified, died. It's important to say that we believe that Jesus died and was buried. He descended to hell. A lot of people don't understand that because they have grown up with Bugs Bunny instead of the Bible. Uh, uh, hell isn't a hot burning place like Dante's Inferno in the earth, you know. It, hell is a place where people are dead. The, the Bible meaning of that, or the, the original meaning was that, was not that there are people alive down in there who can visit with each other and say, get us out of here. It's, it's where you went to die. Now, there, there is a, an interesting passage in Peter that we don't have time for today. I think it's Second Peter, but uh, Jesus went down where hopeless people go. When, when your life is over, when there's nothing to look forward to, He's been there. Um, The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. You can read about that in Acts uh, chapter 2. Back in those days, when a king was getting old, he would bring his son to sit on the throne. Because, you know, all, every, every son, and if you've read the story of David, every mother wants to raise her son to be king. There were all kinds of guys who tried to be, you know, sons of David who tried to be king. So by bringing your son to sit on your throne, the king was saying, don't mess with him. And Psalm 2 is about that. See, I've set my, my servant on my throne. Don't mess with him. That's what Psalm 2 says. It's, the, it's a modern version. Don't mess with him. Uh, that's a joke. Okay. Yeah, that's, and you laugh at jokes. Okay. Um, go back one, please. Yeah. So he's seated on, at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. It's a picture of what happens when the king is going to bring his son to rule with him. And he gives him all authority. On the earth, the old king often had to rely on the younger son, his memory, his strength, his connections to communicate, but the father needs no help like that. He, they're just using a, an illustration from earth. Here, you reign with, with me. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. It's all a scriptural notion. But the apostles, notice, they haven't said anything that doesn't have its center right at the throne of God. He created the earth, got everything going, sent his son when we messed up, It was Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, yeah, there are a few things. Let's go on. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We don't want to leave him out. 
the Holy Catholic Church. Now, this is Catholic does not mean Roman Catholic. Catholic just means worldwide. That's a, that's a word. Catholic means the worldwide church. Okay, it doesn't say the Holy Roman Catholic Church because when they wrote this, there wasn't a Roman Catholic Church. Okay, this was talking about the worldwide church, whether you're from Tarsus or Philippi or Corinth or, or any country, you're part of the worldwide church. The communion of saints. Why do they call us saints? Well, the word saints means those who God considers holy. He looks at you and he says, you're holy. No, I'm not. Well, you're holy because I took you out of that big mess and I put your feet here where you can stand up. You're special. Holy means special. So all of us are special. We all have the forgiveness of sins. We all will someday have the resurrection of our body and life everlasting. But who's the the core of this? If Jesus doesn't do what he did, we don't have any hope. Now let's, with with this as kind of a, a foundation, let's go on to the gospel train. Here it is again. Uh, caboose. Uh, and then in the middle, we have a cargo. I counted 119 once when I was a kid. 119 in the middle between the, the caboose. And then the engine up in the front. Next slide. Is it going? Okay. So that middle car, we're going to call faith. That's the payload. That's, that's your life and my life. Pretty important payload there. Next slide. We have feelings. I want to talk about feelings. In our family, I go like this. My wife goes like this. It's a good thing we married each other. I I know I should say it's a good thing I married her. It is, but she needs me to slide up and down so that she'll kind of have a vision of what it's like to be me. But... You know, and she maybe tries to grab me on my way up or way down. The longer she lives with me, the less she tries. But at least, you know, that's the way it is. And a lot of us, the, way, the reason this is in here, a lot of the people who suffered this used to be Christians. And they've given up. Because if you're, if you're in the back of the train and you're riding with your feelings, you feel like, oh, man, you call yourself a Christian? That's their self-talk. Look how crummy you are. Look at that. You do that. Look at that habit. Look how you, you know, beat ourselves up. Or we might be the kind of person who just thinks they're totally cool. Look at you. You do that all the time. Remember the guy with Jesus who was thinking, hey, I don't do that. Right? Several of the people who came to see Jesus. So the people who have feelings are on dangerous ground because it just depends on how we feel. And that's, that's not why we get to go to heaven, because going to heaven is all about Jesus and what Jesus has done. And then you can guess the engine there. These are the facts, the facts of what Jesus has done. Now, think a little logic with me. Some of you are engineers or work in fields where moving parts to uh, this comes along. come along. Let's go to the next slide. Where is the power for each car? Okay, how about the caboose? Let's go to the next slide. It's just gravity. If you're going on your feelings, if that's providing the power to your train, you're going down, buddy. You're going down. 
your feelings will take you down. What's the source for the cargo? It's your grip. We're going to talk about the grip. There are pieces on each end of that train that grip the caboose and the power of the train. And then, of course, the engine, resurrection power. It's the life of Christ. So we remember every time we feel bad, don't look at our performance. Look at Christ. What did Christ do? Oh, how about Christ? How about Christ? What do you think of Christ? All through his life, successful. And the Father accepted his life, his sinless life, and his sacrifice in your place. And that's powerful. That is the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus won. Let's look at it another way. We looked at how all, all these three have a source of power. Now let's go up in the right. It says the doing and dying of Jesus. And I want you to play a game with me. Pretty easy game. Um, it's an old time. Could be boring, but it'll wake you up. Your coffee's wearing off already. All these things are the things that Jesus did along the way that we should think about. And every time you see a dot, you use the word Jesus, okay? So who, if I, if I could ask it, who became a man? That's about a C plus, okay? Who became a man? Jesus. Very good. Who lived sinlessly? Jesus. How come none of you said I did? Uh, Jesus has lived sinlessly. Who died every person's death? Jesus. You got it made because Jesus. Who rose for and with every man? Jesus. You were baptized. You, you kind of died that way and you came out and it was as if you were having a new life. But real life and death situations, Jesus did it. Who ascended to his father's throne? You didn't yet. Now, in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're also seated on your Father's throne. Ephesians 3 and 4 and 2 kind of talk about that. If you're in Christ, you're seated on your Father's throne too, but it's only in Christ. Uh, who prepares a place for us? John 14, 1 to 3. If I go away, I'm going to get a place ready for you because I want you with me. I'm going to make a place because you belong here. So the last night he was alive, he told them that. He judges in our behalf. He, who returns to get us? Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, John 14. Who spends eternity with us? Jesus. Now, that was a silly little game. and It gets kind of boring. But it's just to remind us that the gospel, the good news, is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And a Christian has no hope. If you take Jesus out of the equation or minimize what Jesus has done, you're hopeless. You're hopeless. Let's try the next slide out. Here's, uh, here's all the same information, but I've got there the grips on a train. We're going to talk about what's important for you in this. And the only thing that is important for you is to hang on to power. See? 
Just hang on. Now, I don't know exactly how these work. I've watched the trains couple, and I've assumed that it's, you know, they, they kind of slide past, and that, that little piece in there turns into the, the buckle of the other piece, and then it closes over it. So it, it, can't, it can't lose its grip anymore. If the train is going up the hill, the grip just has to hold. So what does that imply about our work? None of it makes us worthy of heaven, but just hang on. And some of the thing that we forget is that this, this world is a wild ride. You know it is. So where's your grip? Are you just hanging on to yourself? Or if you're that payload in the middle of the train, that, that faith, which one are you going to have faith in? Are you going to have your grip mainly on your feelings? Well, then you're going to follow gravity and you're going down. Are you going to have the grip mainly on Jesus? Jesus already went up for you. So you, you just take your grip and you hang on for all it's worth because that's all you got. And that's all you need. It's a beautiful gospel story. I'm going to tell you an old, old story, but each one keeps getting more recent. In this one, I'm seven years old. And our teacher used to have, I went to John Muir Public School. Um, and uh, at recess, we only had blacktop. We had not a blade of grass on that playground. You guys ever go to any schools like that? So... The, the, the first and second graders at P.E. time would go out to a dotted line that was in the middle of the field. And usually the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders were on that side of the dotted line. And the first, second, and third graders had to stay close to the classroom. Well, we went out to the dotted line. I don't know what day of the week, but every week, once a week. And everybody had to have a race. The teacher would take her whistle and she would blow it, and you that was like go, and you'd run out, and you'd touch the line at the end, and then you'd run back. And I didn't like that because, you know, this is such an old story that all the girls had to run in dresses. Nobody wore pants back then, okay? That's how old. So the girls had a rough time running, and they didn't wear tennis shoes. The girls wore regular street shoes, okay? Anybody else in their 60s that will give me a witness that that's the way it was? Okay. <laughs> all right. So anyway, I am, I am the slowest runner that God ever made. Not as an exaggeration, but I, I'm very slow, very slow. And I used to keep track. You know, Brian was fifth, and, you know, and I knew that Johnny would win every week, and Georgie was second. Now, Georgie was a tough guy, a tough guy. He, he, he lived right around the block from my grandmother, and the first time I boxed was with Georgie. He had boxing gloves his parents had bought, and I, he brought, invited me over, and he says, you ever use these, you know? No, I've got to try these. I had no idea. I'd seen little on TV. We got on his bed. That's the only place you can box, you know, when you're seven. And then Georgie went, boom. I can't remember exactly what he did, because the next thing I knew, I was rubbing my chin, and I was, I can't believe the power behind those gloves. Well, that was Georgie. 
Georgie was always a mess on his face, on his hands. And when there was a race, Georgie was going all the way. Now, Johnny was kind of mellow. He was fast, and he, I remember he used to run like that. Everybody else ran like that, but not Johnny. You know, he was cool. And he was also my friend. So I asked him one day, Johnny, would you hold my hand and make me run fast? This is an absolutely true story. True story. I, I'm so tired of this. I want to run fast. He said, okay. At seven years old, you don't think through all the ramifications. So I grab his hand, and the teacher blows her whistle, and my feet didn't touch the ground. The guy was so fast and so strong. He was running and just dragging me like, whoa, 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 you know, and, and I was having a great time. I've never run that fast in my life. But Georgie was taking advantage. And I remember looking to my right, and Georgie was about where that post is. Uh, he was that far ahead of Johnny and me. And Johnny kept running with me, but he kept looking over at Georgie. And we got a, a quarter or two-thirds of the way, and he let me go. He says, I'm going to run, man. i got to catch that dude. But for a quarter or a third of the race, I was really fast, faster than I ever go. Now think about the power of Jesus. Jesus says, let's go to the next slide. Um, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We know that another thing he says is, no one will snatch her or him out of my hand. I think of Jesus running, holding our hand. That's like the grip of the train. And he doesn't let go. He doesn't turn to the side to watch how the other runners are doing. He's already succeeded in everything there is to succeed in. He's got us. He's got you. When we look back at our feelings, we let go. It's as easy as that. When you have a rough time in life, many of us have rough times with this kind of thing, remember that Jesus has done everything that we need to do to live in eternity. And... He doesn't let go. Doesn't let go. And I want you to think of, a, of an issue that you might may have. I, found out, I have found out that as I get older, they don't go away. Because I can remember everything I've ever done. God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. Can you apply the faithfulness of Jesus, what he has done for us? that he's done it forever, that he's won? Can you apply that to the one problem? Can you forgive yourself as much as he can? Can you apply the power of the cross to yourself? Will you, will you let his great power and love for you work? Or are you going to hang on to your feelings? It'll never work. We have to hang on to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.